Amen. Amen. Can you give him just another round of worship and praise here this morning? I know what I'm supposed to, but I just kind of like to stay in that moment for a while. So I'm going to invite you here in a few moments when we go back into communion at the conclusion of this message. That let's go back into that moment where we're just got our minds on him and worshiping him. We're going to hear the word that he has for us because I believe it's a word that's going to continue to challenge our lives as we think about thinking bigger and better and blessed. It's for everyone here in the sanctuary. It's for everyone that's watching online. But I have no doubt here as we take communion in just a few moments and the worship team comes back, if you will just be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is asking of you, it will really do an incredible work inside of you here this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you just for your hearts and your attitude. The expectation is rich here today, and, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, I want to continue on in our series, Think Bigger, Think Better, Think Blessed. And I know that you are following right along with me, and you understand that that which our mind dwells upon is most likely the direction in which our next steps are going to take us. So when we go to bed at night, whatever our minds are upon, that's probably the direction we're headed. When we wake up and our minds are still there, that's the direction we're headed. Throughout the day, whatever is dominating our thoughts, that's the direction that we are headed. So it is so important that we have our minds set on Christ. I think about this beautiful moment that we're experiencing together on this Sunday. We've come in here with our minds set on Christ. We're not just singing songs and just singing words off of a PowerPoint screen, but we're believing what we're singing and we're singing to our Lord and to our Savior because our minds are in a good place. Our minds are upon him. And as that happens, it opens that way for God to move. So when our thoughts are upon who God is, what he has accomplished in and through our lives, when our thoughts are upon his plan and his purpose and his promises and his provision and his protection and his power, when our minds are on a place such as that, we know that our next steps are gonna take us to a good place. But church, we also know that on the flip side of that, if our, minds, if our minds are upon all the chaos around us, because there's a lot of it, on the deception, on the false narratives, on the darkness, on Satan's attacks, on all those circumstances that are trying to pull us down, if our minds are there, well, we know that's going to impact us because that's probably the direction that we're headed. And we, and we really don't even want to. Have you ever had one of those moments and you didn't understand why you had such anxiety or maybe your words were so aggressive or maybe you come off so strong in a manner that wasn't really pleasing to the Lord? More than likely, it's because your mind had been in a place that was not of God not calling you out as a sinner, not calling you out as someone rebellious, just calling you out as real people who can get sucked into the things around us. And at times we don't even realize it, but yet it starts to impact us. So that's why it is so highly important that we set our minds on Jesus Christ. Because we want our minds to be in a bigger place, to be in a better place, and to be thinking about the blessings of God that he wants to pour out upon our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1 says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. The scripture tells us in verse two, think about the things of heaven 
and not of the things of this earth. We know that a mind set on the things of heaven is one that is certainly set on Jesus Christ, one that is open to the vastness of all of his provision, one that is open to the superiority of his power and the purpose of his plan and the promise of his word and also, again, the abundance of the blessings that he wants to give us in our spiritual lives. Now, I know over these last couple of weeks, I've kind of started in the New Testament, and I've taken us back on the journey to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Today, I'm going to stay in the New Testament, and I'm going to take you to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 16. You can read this same story as it's recorded by Mark in Mark chapter 8, but we'll be in Matthew chapter 16. This is a moment with Jesus and the disciples. When I begin to read, you know exactly where we're at, and it's going to be very familiar to you, but you're going to see this very powerful discussion that he is having. There are some really some significant proclamations that are even being made in this moment by the disciples and by Jesus himself. Now, before we get to this moment, we begin to read, I want you to understand Jesus has been fully engaged in ministry. His miraculous power has been on full display Many have been healed by his touch or simply by his spoken words over their lives. As he has traveled from village to village, from city to city, from synagogue to synagogue, as he has traveled along the way, deaf ears have been opened. Blinded eyes are now able to see clearly. Those oppressed and even demon-possessed, they have been delivered and they have been set free. Those sick, the scripture tells us, from all types of disease have been made whole and healthy. Even the dead have been given new life. Jesus is fully engaged in ministry. He's moving in the lives of the people. He's doing so with much power and with much compassion. Thousands have been miraculously provided uh, a meal with Jesus, blessing just a few loaves of bread and a few small fish. You can look and see where he feeds the 5,000, and then he feeds the 4,000, not including the numbering of the, the women and the children. That was just numbering the men themselves. And so thousands of people have received from uh, a miraculous provision of Jesus Christ. Along the way, he has been opposed. Along the way, the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders, they have tried to stop him. They have questioned him. They have stood before him, everything possible to keep him from doing what he is doing, but yet he has continued on, steady on with the truth and with unwavering poise. Now, his disciples have been with him the entire time side by side, ministering with them, listening, learning, growing, maturing, taking part of the ministry. They have been firsthand witnesses to what Jesus Christ is doing. So a work is taking place inside of all. And no doubt that all the disciples, they would talk amongst themselves about what was happening and who they were following and who Jesus really was. And so we come to this significant moment where one of them steps up to the plate and makes this powerful proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. Obviously, that is going to be Peter as we see this here in just a moment. Now, I want you to understand, up until this moment, Jesus has been preparing them for what was to come, talking about the cross of Calvary. But he, he hasn't spoke clearly in a manner that he's about to do. I mean, he's trying to get their minds there but here in a few moments, you'll see he speaks what is going to happen, and you will see the response. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. 
Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter, he replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter, your mind's in a good place because it was God and God alone who has revealed this to you. And verse 18, there's that powerful proclamation that we stand upon this day. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to not tell anyone that he was Christ. Simply that means it was not yet time for that to be revealed because that manner would take place when it was God's timing. Now, when you read that passage and you see the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that's just the disciples are going to have the, the way of God open as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the terminology, binding and loosing, that simply means walking in the authority and the truth and the discipline of God's holy word. Now, he speaks that proclamation over them. And then verse 21 from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and that he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised. Verse 22, after he speaks this, Peter took him aside. And I want you to notice the word here because it is exactly what the word means. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke to reprimand, basically to lecture Jesus in this moment, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but your mind is on the things of man. Now, don't, no doubt, a powerful moment of truth for the disciples and the church, a powerful moment of encouragement for the disciples and for you and I, the church, and also a powerful moment of promise because we certainly hold on to these words because no matter what happens in our culture today, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We grab a hold of that, but this is also a powerful moment of correction and learning. I want to zero in on Peter and look at his train of thought as his words unfold in this moment. Now, when Jesus questions him and says, who do you say that I am? It's Peter who jumps out, you know, in front of the class like he normally does because he's the, he's the voice. And no doubt, I believe they have been talking about this amongst themselves, but Peter jumps out there and he proclaims, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And in this moment, he is absolutely spot on. He is absolutely correct in what he is saying because God has given that to him and he has allowed that to, he has received that within his spirit and now he has the confidence and the boldness to be able to proclaim that. No doubt the other disciples around him, they're with Peter as this proclamation is being made. It is a powerful, powerful moment of truth. But then 
Just when you think Peter has his mind right where it needs to be, it is set on Christ, his plan, his purpose being fulfilled. He exposes a significant weakness in his thinking. Again, for the first time, Jesus has just spoke clearly and directly that he would have to suffer many things, that he was going to be rejected, and even by the religious leaders themselves who would be leading the way, and then he would be killed. But he also let him know that he would rise again three days later. Now, Peter, who just made this powerful proclamation of Jesus being the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, he doesn't want to hear this statement from Jesus. That's what the word is telling us here. You see, the idea of Jesus being killed did not fit into his expectation of what was to come. When Peter, along the way, was following Christ, Nothing inside of him said, this is going to take us down a road of Jesus being killed. Jesus is, uh, uh, Peter's expectation of Jesus was, this is powerful. People are going to be healed. People are going to be delivered. We're going to be able to part of that. There was nothing in his expectation that Jesus would be killed. He was thinking that Jesus would help them and the people set up this powerful political reign and they'd be able to take their positions and they'd be able to to rule over the people. He just didn't have his mind quite in the right place. And because so, that caused him for a moment to pull Jesus aside, to begin to rebuke him, correct him, lecture him. In other words, he was saying to Jesus, the Messiah, yes, you are the Messiah, but Jesus, you have badly mistaken what your purpose is. Like, Jesus, I hear you. I mean, you are the Messiah. You're the Messiah. But back up, because you've just not heard from God as you should. Now, we do laugh at that. Before we jump all over Peter, can I tell you that we may very well fall into that same type of behavior in our own lives, in our own journey? That sometimes our expectation might be a little bit different than the expectation that Jesus has for us. You see, I believe every single one of us here, we love Jesus, we correctly confess who he is, but when the path he points to us is one that we really don't want to take, we kind of back up and say sometimes, hey, this is not what I had in mind. This is not what I envisioned. I saw, Jesus, can we talk about this a little bit? Because I got an idea I'd like to present to you, and it might be a little bit better. No offense, Lord, because you're the Messiah, and you're the Lord, you're the Son of God. You got all things in your hand, but I got a little bit different thought. Can you just hear me out a moment? That's really not one of those interceding moments that Jesus is looking for. Jesus is really just looking for you to be quiet and to listen, to hang on and to follow him, right? Sometimes we need that. But sometimes, let's just be honest with ourselves. When we're following Christ, we're not thinking about suffering. We're not thinking about rejection. We're not thinking about chaos. We're not thinking about darkness. We're not thinking about being corrected. We're not thinking about anything like that. I mean, sometimes I think in our minds with Christ, we're thinking it's always going to be a beautiful fall day. It's going to be 70 degrees outside. There's going to be a gentle breeze. There's going to be the color of the leaves changing just perfect. There's going to be the smell of brisket in the background. The grandkids are going to be playing in the yard, and all is good, and every single day is going to look like that when you follow Jesus. That'd be awesome, huh? It's not just the case. Peter here, his expectation didn't line up, so that causes an issue. He pulls Jesus aside. Jesus quickly turns this situation around 
And he begins to speak to Peter. Now, Peter took Jesus aside. Jesus doesn't take Peter further aside. He says, well, I'm going to use this moment to not only to speak into Peter, but I'm also going to use this moment to speak in the disciples because I know they have the same mindset. Matter of fact, I want this to be recorded in Scripture because the church of 2020 needs to hear this same thought that I'm about to present to those who are following me. So Jesus begins to correct Peter and his thinking. And as he does so, you notice his words. Now, these are very strong words because he turns and he looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't believe that he is calling Peter Satan, you know, like, Peter, you are Satan himself, but your thoughts, your thinking, where you're grabbing this from is from the influence of this world. And the one who influenced this world is Satan himself. You see, in this moment, Jesus is drawing back from Matthew chapter 4 when he was led out into the wilderness to pray, and there he was tempted. And it was Satan himself trying to call upon Jesus to say, hey, you don't have to go the way of the cross. You don't have to go this way of giving up your life. If you'll just bow down to me right now, I'll give you everything, everything that you can see. I'll give you the world. If you'll just, just fall to self right now and you'll just bow to me, you don't have to go to the way of the cross. What Jesus is telling Peter is saying, listen, I have to go this path. I have to go to the cross. This is the direction that my father has sent me. So get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, world. Get behind me, false narrative. Get behind me, darkness. Get behind me, opposition, because nothing's going to stop me from doing what my father has called me to do. I will go to the cross. I will be the perfect sacrifice. Forgiveness of sins will be for all. I will rise again, and once and for all, I, I will have victory over death. Satan and hell itself. And so Jesus here, he calls this out. He calls Peter. He calls the disciples out. He identifies where this thinking is coming from. He's letting them know, hey, in this moment, yes, you're following me. You're confessing me. You're learning. You're growing. But you still have this weak point of view where you're following to the, the flesh, to the, to the ways of this world. So he is calling their thinking out. Peter. These thoughts right here, those first thoughts came from God. But these thoughts came from Satan, from selfishness, and for the ways of this world. You see, if Peter and the disciples were going to fulfill what was before them, they would need to develop and fix their minds fully on Christ. Now, like Paul, I spoke last week. Life in Christ was certainly not always an easy path, but it was certainly going to be the most rewarding. We know the path that Peter had before him. Now, as Peter got his mind on Christ, boy, he excelled in so many ways. But we know what happened when he was arrested. We know that Peter denied him. We know there had to be that, that, that moment of restoration. But then you also remember when he got his mind in the right place and they were in the upper room and they were praying and the power of the Holy Spirit fell down and filled them and they spoke in other tongues and they lifted up the name of Jesus. And then it was Peter who stood up and he proclaimed the gospel and over 3,000 souls were saved that day. Peter's had some incredible moments. We are talking about his story today because he chose to put his mind on Christ. But we also know it was a difficult path for him, for it was Peter, history tells us, that was crucified upside down because of the cause of Christ. So his journey was not easy, but it was certainly most rewarding when he put his mind in the right place because he becomes a significant witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ and the gospel of salvation. You see, Peter, he struggled here with this, but that just shows you and I that we do the same. 
There's moments when we have our mind in the right place, and then there's moments that we do not. And so what we see in this story, in this powerful moment, Jesus calling to him and saying, Peter, you've got to get to the place where every single day and through the moments out the day that your mind is on Christ. Church, I believe when we rise in the morning, the first thing that we need to do is have our mind on Jesus Christ. When you see the sun come up, be grateful that this is a new day that Jesus Christ has given you. I say many times over in my own life, this is a day the Lord hath made and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Sometimes I have to repeat that thought throughout the day when things are really coming down hard on you and I've got to say, this is still the same day that the Lord hath made and I'm still going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it because I don't want the ways of this world to drag down my focus. Because if it does, then I'm not going to be at my best. When you lose your focus, you lose your footing. You lose your words. You lose your character, in a sense. That's when you fall prey and vulnerable to Satan's lies. That's when you fall vulnerable to growing complacent. That's when you fall vulnerable just to going through the motions. You fall vulnerable for that fire inside to be extinguished. You fall vulnerable to maybe have outbursts or to walk in fear, to walk in anxiety. You have those moments when you don't have your mind fixed in the right place. You're vulnerable to the world influencing you in a very negative way. So I say it like this. If the expectation within our minds differs from that of Christ, Satan will take advantage and always be whispering, a false narrative to lead us away from truth. And that truth is one that will set us free as it leads us through the battles before us and not around them. You see, when I was thinking about this story, because I know our story looks quite a bit different here than Peter's, but I think sometimes our expectation is we know that there's a battle, but we'd much rather go around it. And the Lord is saying we can't go around the battle. That's not going to do us any good. I need you to go through it. But if you have your mind in the right place, I will always lead you through it. And even when you feel like you're about to lose footing, I will give you secure footing. And when you feel like you're just really about to, to lose that train of thought that I want your mind to be, I will be there to help you, to guide you through that. Just learn to fix your mind on me. We will get through this battle together. Can I tell you, church, we will get through 2020 together. Let's not get too excited about 2021. Let's just keep following Jesus, all right? Because I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, but I know this. As long as my mind is on Jesus, he will navigate me every single step of the way. The power of the Holy Spirit will give me life, will give me courage, will give me boldness, the ability to discern what is right, what is wrong, the ability to discern what the false narratives are and what the true narrative is. We need to have our mind in a place where it is completely fixed on Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us, chapter 12, verse number two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That comes after that incredible Hebrews chapter 11, where he gives testimony to the people who stepped out in faith 
the people who had their mind on God and what God could do and what God could accomplish. Hebrews chapter 11 is about all those stories and it didn't even write them all. It even says if there could be more, it, there, there wouldn't be enough space to, you know, to be able to write this all down because of what God can do. So Hebrews chapter 12 follows up in, in verse number two says, let us fix our eyes, our spiritual minds on Jesus. When we do so, we'll always be able to step out in the direction that God is taking us with our minds on Jesus. There's no doubt our thoughts, they're gonna be whole, they're gonna be healthy, and that's gonna lead us, lead us to a bigger and a better and in a place of abundance as we experience the peace of God and all that he has for us. When I was studying and preparing this, my mind kept going back to Isaiah 55. You know Isaiah 55 very well. It's a passage where God invites his people to return to him to renew their relationship with him, to be forgiven as they would repent their sins before him. It's a chapter about being restored to a bigger and a, and a better place and, and to a blessed life. You know, it starts off with come all who are thirsty. But we get to Isaiah 55, and I just want to read a little bit here. Verse number eight says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But don't stop there. Many times we separate this chapter and we, we, we pull out certain parts of it, which is all good. There, there's moments to do so. But go on as it continues, verse 10. And I thought about Pastor Austin, perfect words, talking about the rain. Blessings of God. It says the rain and the snow come down from the heavens. They stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I will send my word out. My word always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to accomplish. And it will prosper everywhere in which I send it. And if you will receive this, you will live in joy and you will live in peace. This chapter calls us to a place to put our minds on God, to put our minds on Christ, put our mind on his word. How do we get our mind there? We soak ourselves in his word. As Mrs. Pastor teaches us, we pray his word over our lives. We walk in his word. We proclaim that word. We walk in those promises of his word. It is his word that takes us to a place that's going to be much bigger and better and blessed than we could ever imagine. The place that I believe God wants us all to be. Now, when I say that, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that whatever circumstance you may be in, God's got something better in store for you. But it's up to us if we're going to follow that direction. And so it's important that we go back to the crux of this particular message and we say to ourselves, I need to fix my mind. I need to put it on the things of God. Peter, such an incredible moment. But yet, Peter, there's that weakness. You're going like this, and God is trying to get him like this. And that's what you and I need to do. In a time that we live in today, it's probably easy for our minds to be a little bit all over the place. Maybe not for all of us, but I think for a lot of us, we have to tackle a lot of information. We have to tackle a lot of different relationships. 
We have to tackle a lot of different, you know, things that are being thrown at us each and every day, a lot of narratives that are being given to us. And all of that is, you know, we're receiving that. So what we have to do is we have to embrace God and his truth and his word. We've got to seek him and, and we've got to give ourselves to him each and every day. And church, I truly believe it is not unrealistic to say to you as your pastor to put your minds on Christ because we put our minds on a lot of things things that we really desire. I mean, like I said in the very beginning, in, in the first week of this message as we was laying it out, if your mind is a place somewhere you really enjoy and you're always there, you're probably going to go back to that moment. If you love fishing and your mind is always on fishing, you're probably going to go fishing at some point point, sometime within the next 24 hours or do your best to do it. I mean, that's where you're going to go. And so just like you put your mind on things that you really enjoy, why would you not put your mind on Christ every day and say, God, this is your day. I am yours. Whatever is before me, may I handle it with a mind that is fixed on you. How many lives would be incredibly transformed if they would put their mind on Christ? How many marriages would look completely different if self got out of the way and Christ became the center of it? How many relationships within our own home would look so completely different if Christ became the center of our focus? What happens to the church when the church together says, you know what, we're not putting our mind on anything else other than that of Christ. When we do that, we're gonna rise up with power and strength. And in the hour we live today, we need to have our minds fixed on Jesus. Now, confessing Christ, Lord and Savior, that's the first step of getting your mind in the right place. But the second one, fixing your mind on him, walking with him, that happens each and every day. We're getting ready to receive communion. The worship team is gonna come out. They're gonna lead us back to a place where we're just worshiping. As we receive this communion, we don't do it often. In this, in this season, we've, we've done it. I think this is the second time we've had communion since March. And in this moment today, all weekend my prayer has been, as we receive it together, may there be a renewal that takes place. I had no idea the Holy Spirit was gonna move in such a way that there was gonna be a message and an interpretation, but it was just confirmation of what I feel in my spirit of what God wants to do. That when you receive these elements, the wafer representing the body of Christ, the juice that represents the blood that flowed from the cross of Calvary, when we get ready to receive them and we get ready to pray over them, I want you to really concentrate and put your mind on a place of what Jesus has done in and through you. Go back to that place for a few moments of what it was like when you discovered Jesus in a real way and how in that moment you just felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of you. And you maybe said to yourself, it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay. Go to that moment 
when you just felt like, man, the world's crashing in, but you realized the promises of God that he'd spoken over you, that nothing would be able to snatch you away from his hands, that nothing would be able to take away the love that he has for you, that because Christ is in you, you can scale any mountain, any wall, you can go anywhere that he wants to take you, and you will be standing upright at the end of the day because he's on your side. Think about how he's restored your life, how he's restored your family, how he's blessed you with children and then grandchildren, how he's put you a part of a church home. Think about all the incredible things of what Christ has done inside of you because of his love. That's what this communion represents. And as you do that, I pray today, specifically today, that you're being renewed. That passion, that fire, that love you have for God, all of that just being renewed. And as that's been renewed, the second part of why we receive communion is that we have such a passion growing inside of us. We cannot help but share the good news of Jesus with all of those around us. So we remember what he has done. And then we just make that decision that we're going to continue to proclaim who he is. Amen. Let God do a work in you here this morning. Here's what we're going to do. And I appreciate our deacons for helping us out this morning. They're just simply standing there to help you out. What I'd like you to do is we're going to dismiss ourselves to the outer edges. And so you can pick whatever your side. You're pretty balanced out here this morning. So if this half will go over here and this half will go over here, that'll really help us out a lot. Balcony, we will come to you, okay? You can stay right where you're at and we will come to you. And so here in a moment, if you'll go down this side and each of you just grab the elements. When you come from the outer sides, if you would, just you can make your way back to your seats through the middle. And so that will help us out a lot. Hold on to those elements. We're going to come back. We're going to pray over them together. And then at the end of that, they're getting ready to take us there, but then they're going to continue to take us there and worship. I want you just to end this day the way the Holy Spirit wants you to end it. So come around these altars. Feel these altars. Cry out to God. Kneel before him. Stand and lift your hands toward heaven. Perhaps sit there in the quietness, in the still moment, but allow him to really renew you within in this moment. Don't take this moment for granted. Let's see what God has for us as we give ourselves to him. Pastor Austin, if you would, congregation, if you'd stand with me. And at the end of communion, we have a trash can right there in the back doors. And so feel free to take your cups, put them there. But if you would, go ahead and dismiss yourself to the aisles and, uh, and we'll, we'll move from there.
believe we've got everyone served. Kevin, Tim, Joe, thank you so much. The team is good. Amen. What an awesome moment. What an awesome moment that we can stand and do this together. So significant. Pastor Matt's going to come and he's going to bless these elements. The first blessing is going to be over this wafer. Remember, when it talks about healing, it does represent healing for our bodies. It does. Because in the ministry of Jesus, people were healed over and over again through his touch, through his spoken word. But first and foremost, it's a healing of our soul. By his stripes, we are healed. We are made right. We are brought into relationship with God. It does a work of restoration. It does a work of healing in our soul, in our heart, and in our mind. But then we have that added blessing of being healed in our bodies. So no matter the disease, no matter the sickness, no matter the emotional, mental state that you are in, God is our healer. Jesus is our healer, and he can do that. And so if that's you this morning, if you need healing in your soul, let it happen. If you need healing in your, in your heart, and your mind, let it be done. If you need healing in your body, or maybe you're standing in for somebody, because I know some of our church family who are sick, battling the disease that's upon us. There are missionary friends that I have that are, are having some incredible moments right now in their health, and I'm believing that Jesus is their healer. Thank God that Jesus is our healer. Pastor Matt, would you come and would you pray over this? Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us so that we can live with you forever so we can experience the eternal salvation today just as we do in eternity. So God, I thank you so much for everything that brings, the healing, the restoration, how our soul can be made whole in your presence. And God, we pray that let that be on our minds and remember the sacrifice that you made as we take this bread. Amen. Let's receive it together. We follow that up this little cup of juice a blood that flowed from the cross of Calvary the forgiveness of our sins change us, transform us work within us mightily, powerfully changing the world still to this day the perfect sacrifice that we all needed let our minds be upon what Jesus has done and what he continues to do, Pastor Matt Jesus again we thank you so much for your sacrifice the sacrifice that you made once and for all, that we could be made right with you, and that we can enter into your presence. God, we thank you for your sacrifice, that we can be healed, and that we can be whole, but that we can be saved and experience your eternal life. God, we thank you for everything that brings, that brings light into the darkness. It brings hope where there is no hope. It brings joy wherever there is uh, scaredness. God, we just thank you so much for your presence, and we thank you for your salvation, and we thank you for that healing. We ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. Let's receive it. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Worship team's coming. They're going to take us to that place. Whatever God needs to do, don't rush through these moments. For everyone at home, don't rush through these moments. Allow God to minister to you. I'll be available. Kevin and Kelly, our prayer team leaders. Michelle, our pastors. If you'd like for us to pray with you about anything, we want to pray with you. If you're hearing to say, Pastor, I'm just not sure about my relationship with Christ. I would love to be able to just talk with you for a moment and pray with you.
because I have no doubt Jesus wants to be the Lord and Savior of everyone here. Let's let him do what he wants to do. May you be renewed today. May you be renewed in your mind, in the depths of your soul, in your physical body. In the name of Jesus, may our church, may our church be renewed today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So we